And we know you like to spend every single Saturday with us. So what we like to do throughout these entire week is watch movies. And now we're ready to review them for you. So Em, what did we watch for this week? Well, we watched two movies and we didn't have any, we actually did have a series to watch, but we didn't put it on our our show because we didn't have the time, but we will put it on our show next week for sure. But the two movies that we watched was Anake, which released in theaters, and Tulsi Zas Jr., which is Rajiv Kapoor's last movie before he died, which is streaming on Netflix. Perfect. And before we jump right into Anik, we actually have a little surprise for you guys. So Mira and Michael were able to go watch Top Gun and they have a little bit to say about Tom Cruise right now. Let's hear it. Yeah, you know, if for anyone out there that's seen the original Top Gun movie coming out in 1985, everyone loves and remembers Tom Cruise's role in this movie and remembers too the tear-jerking moments between him losing his partner but in top gun maverick we're brought back the same style of a top gun movie that we've seen before only this time in 2022 and tom cruise is back to teach a new crew of pilots to lead a very very important mission for the united states my thoughts on this movie it kept up very much with the original they made the style of the movie very much the same even the way the actors would interact with each other in the movie and the music choices was very 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 similar to the 1985 film only with 2022 graphics and a little twist to the story so Overall, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. The action scenes were done great. The CGI was fantastic. Tom Cruise, of course, was amazing with other fantastic actors such as Miles Teller uh, playing Tom Cruise's former partner's son. And we get to see a great dynamic between those two wrestle out throughout the entire film. So that's my take for Top Gun Maverick. I had a great time getting to see it a little early, too. We saw it three days before it came out to the theaters. I had a great time with M watching that. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I drove him crazy because, you know, I was gushing over Tom Cruise the entire time. <laughs> I was like, I had, I was wearing my heart on the sleeve because, hey, why, you would do it, wouldn't you? If you're, you, you know, you're sitting there and all the nostalgia hits you. People, I know you guys did not watch it when, you know, you probably weren't even born when it came out in 1986. Uh, but, but I was. I do have a confession to make. I had not seen the first one prior to seeing this one. So now I need to go back and actually watch the 1985 film. It is on Amazon, so please go watch it. It is is actually on Amazon, so go watch it. But as for someone who didn't watch it, I feel that I was able to keep up with the film very well. There were lots of flashbacks to the first film that allowed for someone like myself who did not watch the first one uh, before watching this one to really know kind of what's going on and, you know, what's at stake and even shared some of the emotions that happened in the previous film. So overall, that worked great for me. Absolutely. And, you know, it kind of, it maintains the continuity from the first movie. So if you go watch the first movie, you will see how it maintains the continuity of characters. Of course, it loses a lot of characters, but then how ICE, you know, the relationship, how they form a relationship in the first movie and now ICE is there for him in the second movie, even though ICE is ill. And, you know, uh, you know how, um, uh, how Val Kilmer has been sick for the longest time with his cancer and uh, i'm so glad tom cruise was able to at least bring him back for the movie because whatever said and done top gun is a cult classic and i want to say it again top gun is a cult classic and uh, you know it was a start of how hollywood made movies 
sexy. You know, these military yeah. combat, uh, the entire sequences of aircraft combat in the air and making 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 all this look so amazingly glamorous is what this movie did and top gun maverick it's all that nostalgia for for us all over again you know and i was and it was a very small um you know screening room and when you looked around the stream, streaming room you know there were people of my age and you know even older and they were just sitting there with nostalgia in their eyes and people were laughing and crying and clapping and you know it was all coming back little things like um the Great Balls of Fire song. The, just the Top Gun theme playing was enough to get people just, you know, it was so nostalgic, so nostalgic for people that uh, it, it was just, a, it was a roller coaster ride for most of us. And well, the beauty of Tom Cruise, of course, uh, he looks his age. He doesn't shy away from the fact that he's much older. He plays his age. But what he does oh, across the movie, and you have to understand, he does not. He doesn't let his presence overpower the character that he plays, even though he's still the, you know, um, he's still the ever-grinning Tom Cruise. He's just he, there were many thought. opportunities where he would he share could've. the stage with a lot of the actors as well. I felt like there were great performances all around, um, and Tom Cruise definitely did not, you know, kind of step in the way absolutely he well. he let the other actors have their have their day as well so he never got he knew when to when to be tom freaking cruise and he knew when not to be tom freaking cruise and let the others have their way so uh oh my god if you if you want to watch this movie you gotta go watch it in theater because some of the sequences by the way were not cgi can you imagine the craft that it takes for you to shoot those sequences of a of an aircraft a, a flying that low that low close to the ground and and, and that those, close to the other those, planes those wow. hills. crazy and to shoot those amazing amazing um videos of uh, amazing shots of tom cruise flying through um it, it was just just phenomenal so so if you really haven't watched it uh, all the more reason, even if you have to stitch like a hundred hospital grade masks and wear it all uh -huh. over your body, including put your put your faces in it, go watch it in the theaters because this movie is only to be watched in theaters. Incredible review. Speaking of incredible reviews, we're gonna switch gears. But before we do, we actually want to let you guys know that the Top Gun Maverick entire red carpet scene premiere was such a big deal. Uh, with, I believe was Paramount. It came out with Paramount, right? It was such a big deal that they actually invited some pretty big names to the premiere. And then they also had it, I think their plans were to have one in LA. And then originally they were set to also have a premiere in Miami for whatever reason, but that just didn't pan out. And they made a big press release about it. So they invited people from outside. You can go ahead and buy tickets. So there were some people who were, you know, making TikToks with like influencers at the premiere. It was pretty cool. So if you guys manage to score some tickets, go ahead and send those videos into us. We're more than happy to post them on our social media. We love to share any and all the content that you guys of course, make for us. Hi, this is Kunal Kimu on Desis.live. 
Now we're going to switch gears and talk about Anig, which all three of us got to watch in theaters, luckily, this past We weekend. did. And, and we all came back with such mixed messages about it. So let's talk about Anig. Let's talk about Anig. Well, let me tell you, this was a great movie to see in the theaters. You know, Anig you know, told the story about uh, an undercover cop uh, named Joshua played by Ayushman Karana and he was, you know, kind of playing two sides with the state of India and the Northeast region, you know, trying to gain intel on some of these insurgency groups rising. Um, and through that, we meet a lot of different characters, one of those being Ido, uh, played by Andrea uh, Kevichusa, who is a boxer um, who's training for, ultimately, a worldwide boxing championship, but she's from the Northeast region um, and faces a lot of discrimination in that. And we see that very early on. Uh, in the beginning of this movie, you know, just with the different interactions of her and the other people within Delhi. Uh, Joshua is going on this mission, and he's essentially, you know, as he's gathering intel, he finds out that Ido's father, uh, Wang Now, played by Mifama Sol, uh, is a school teacher who's covertly leading a rebel group and trying to overthrow the forces up there that kind of keep the Northeast region under control. So throughout this entire movie, um, I really learned, you know, a lot of different real world um, politics that are happening right now in India. I was being educated by uh, M throughout the entire movie, and she was ultimately my source towards understanding this movie to its full potential. So I would love to pass the mic over to M to really talk about um, what that entails. We were just about to start getting my perspective on Anik which, whew, that was a bumpy ride, y'all. So I I feel like this is the first time in my life where everybody questions their Indian American identity, especially when you are, you know, of dual, like, um, I want to say, like, it's hard being like of one nationality, but your actual heritage and your culture and your roots are from somewhere else. And you're constantly juggling between two spaces. I have never really felt more like I have, I'm not Indian than when I was watching this movie. I won't lie to y'all. Not because of the message, but because of my inability to understand the message. And I don't want to say this movie was poor or bad by any means, because it really wasn't. I just don't think I was a target demographic and was not the target audience. And sitting in the theater, I was just so lost. M had to be the one to constantly explain everything to me. And Michael kept jumping in because luckily they had watched the movie. They understood and they were jumping in to answer all of my questions. But I think the issue can be easily broken down into a few pieces. One, I did not understand the conflict with Northeast India until I looked it up. Like in the interval, I sat down and I said, what is the conflict that's happening? What was the issue? And although it wasn't like difficult, I just had no idea that that was a issue that had happened. So First, understand your politics before you go watch Anik. Second, if you don't understand how the Indian government works, you you will have a little bit of trouble understanding the motives of the character and the motivations of, I guess, like the larger institutions throughout this movie. So for me, I was like, when it came to that struggle between like, should we actually find peace or, you know, do we control these states through war? Like, which is better? Why, why are we so unable to find a solution? Like, why are we unable to come to a peaceful resolution? And then it becomes revealed that the Indian government really doesn't exactly want peace because you can't control people through peace. You can control them through war. And although that was straightforward, wasn't easy to understand, like, again, where the Indian government's motivation was coming from for those for those reasons. And also, I think it's hard to understand the sentiments of the local people in the movie without 
again, understanding the background of how they feel, what they feel and their struggle and their discrimination and prejudice. I just had no idea was happening out in the world. So I, I didn't realize that that's how they felt. And it was, it was kind of hard putting together the pieces of this movie, even though everybody's acting was flawless. I don't think there were really were too many problems with the scripts. I think the cinematography was perfectly fine. It's just so hard to follow a story that you have no background on. And I also have like one bone to pick with whoever made the soundtrack of this movie because there were so many random clicking noises throughout it. I'm pretty sure my ADHD activated and I don't even think I have ADHD and it activated because there were just like typewriter noises in the background or and like clicking noises constantly. And I was like, I don't know who made the conscious decision to put these like small irk factors into the, the sounds in the background, but it didn't mix. And there were pieces where you would like be watching dead bodies. You would literally be looking at characters dying and it's like a dark setting and everything is quiet and there's dead bodies. And suddenly this song, it's like, oh mama, hey mama, what's up happening mama? And I'm like, oh, where did that come from? Like what is happening right now? So music, background score, whoever was in charge of that, don't be. In the future, don't be. Um, But aside from that, it was still beautifully done. I love the actors. I think Aishman Karana absolutely stole the show. Beautiful, beautifully done. Um, I never had any bone to pick with Ido, uh, Wang Nao, all of the characters who played, you know, Nico, Nico's mother, Emma, like phenomenal, phenomenal acting. I do want to give a special shout out to the actor that did play Nico's mother, her crying and running away in that one scene. Commendable. That was commendable. I really felt the emotion he, on this. The screen. performance of some of these supporting actors and actresses was just absolutely amazing. I think um, Emma and I were talking about this that Aishman uh, Karano really did, you know, similar to Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick, he really allowed there to be room for some of these great performances, you know, not only within some child actors and actresses, but um, as well as some, you know, really, really good supporting roles, such as Nico's mother. I agree. That was a fantastic performance. Like, Drop, like easily dropped at Hollywood performance of a mother who just lost her son mm-hmm. and the effect of the way they shot that the way uh, she reacted had a walk off and you know there were also many scenes that were taken with what looked like it was just one take like five minutes just like one take scenes that were just really well shot as well so I, I thought the overall production of this was fantastic um, do agree. Ha- I had to get educated on like the politics and the history of kind of what's going on to really be able to understand it and just kind of keep track of characters too and what their motives are, what they're trying to do in the film. A lot of that you had to kind of learn as you were watching it. So if you you missed out on it, you know, early on, it was very hard to like, you know, get a good sense of it until much later in the film. But other than that, I mean, this this movie really really took it home. Absolutely. So for me, I thought Anik was a very intelligently written script. And uh, it was not only intelligent from the perspective of understanding the characters and also creating the characters really well, because if those characters were not the characters that they were, the story wouldn't have come together in terms of questioning certain things, right? The questions wouldn't have come about. So that's one. Secondly, I thought it it brought up very brave questions. A movie to bring up those questions these bold, this boldly is a very big thing, especially in India where right now anybody who asks very bold questions is just shut down. 
right? So I think those two things were very important for it. So the first character um, is the first protagonist being Joshua, right? As, 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 a, as somebody who's an undercover agent, he has two identities, one of Amun, the real person that he is, and second of Joshua, the person he's acting to be, uh, the person who's, you know, who's integrated himself with the local people. Now, while integrating himself with the local people, he gets to see two aspects. One is the job that he's doing for the Indian government, which is to, to figure out what the rebels are up to. He's actually collecting intel, but also in the process of creating intel, he's creating hurdles for the rebels by creating another rebel group. And that's what he's done. His job has been to create hurdles for rebels by breaking them down, by making sure that there's no unity amongst local people. And he is the culprit there because he has created those people. But at the same time, he gets to see on a daily basis the human aspect of the struggle, the human aspect of why they are becoming, why they're rebelling in the first place. What are the reasons? What is their life like? What is their struggle like? Why does the kid not want to live with his mom but wants to go to a village and fight? Why does he have the situation when the kid does get picked up and taken by the Indian government people into prison and the situation in the prison he sees this the inhumanity of the situation firsthand it it could convert a, even even a simple thinking person into a rebel so he sees both ends of the both spectrums of the situation and that that's what gets him questioning if the government is interested in just signing a peace accord or if the government wants actual peace. Because if the government does want actual peace, they need to figure out what the people want, not what they should, the government should not be working against the will of the people then, right? Because by, by doing things that the people does, don't want them to do, the government is eliminating them anyway. So those are the questions that Joshua starts asking. Then the second protagonist is Ido. She feels that if she is better than the rest, she can become a good representative and amalgamate her people to the rest of the country. So she suffers, but she still works very hard at what she knows best so that she can, she can be the face of her people. Now, Again, representation is important when you tell me that you don't know anything about Northeast, I didn't know anything about Northeast, or Michael has never heard anything about Northeast. That's because stories have not been told about Northeast. Why do people know about Kashmir? It's because stories have been told about Kashmir. But stories have not been told about Northeast at all. This is probably the first story being told about what's going on there in the first place. Now, when stories are not told, when, when media is muzzled, when wrong stories are told, in fact, a story, a movie being made about a woman, a, a, a winner from Northeast, Mary Com, did not have a Northeastern woman playing Mary Com. It had Priyanka Chopra playing Mary Com. If I were a Northeastern woman, I would have really felt bad about it. It was like Wasn't it stealing also the a- glory. Con- her casting was also a controversy. I remember it was a very controversial subject picked by picked up by the media back when it happened too. Why? Why wasn't Why wasn't a northeastern woman picked up to play Maricom when Maricom is a northeastern woman? Why? Why? That's because nobody knows anybody in the northeast. So this was a very bl- brave 
thing for the director and this and the makers to do to bring all these actors who actually look northeastern are northeastern speak the language eat that food to give them a center stage and have them tell a story that was important now the third very important protagonist in the movie was abrar manoj pawa and that is a very important twist in the entire tale because he is Joshua's boss and he's the guy who's actually doing the work of the Indian government. And why is he important is because he understands what the Indian government is doing. He is a Kashmiri Muslim. So he knows what the Indian government has done to Kashmiri Muslims in Kashmir. Exactly this template. They haven't cared about what the people want. They haven't cared about what the people think. But they've done exactly the same thing. Gone there, danced around, e eaten the food, worn the clothes, uh, taken some pictures, played, played, played football, and come back. And signed an accord. Exactly what he is doing in the, Middle, uh, in, in the Northeast. So he knows the template very well. But... When Joshua questions him and says, why can't we do something else? Because this is not, are you sure this is the right thing to do? Remember, there's a sentence he says, he says, either everybody gets the same thing or nobody gets it. So he is biased. He feels that if Kashmir can get it, why should these people too? If Kashmiris don't deserve it, why should these people deserve it? So this entire struggle, Northeen struggle, is personal for his boss as well. And it's so well, it's never stated, but when he's flying, um, flying the, where the aircraft is about to land in, in, in the Northeastern state that they don't even identify, by the way, the aircraft is about to land. He says something in Farsi, that's, that couplet is for Kashmir. He actually says the same couplet for, for the Northeastern states because it's the same situation. It looks really beautiful from the top, but when you go and land there and start living there, you see what hell it is because people are dying. People are getting killed and nobody really cares. All they care about is that there is, uh, the press thinks, the media thinks that there is peace on paper, whereas there's no peace. So, uh, I think the movie was extremely brave in bringing all of this hypocrisy out, talking about this hypocrisy and bring it out because in the end, what he does is he 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 doesn't he he doesn't kill the guy he doesn't kill Wangno and he tells his boss I didn't kill him. I think that was very well said, um, and you know, like whenever. You're watching this movie you definitely get a sense that um this is the message that they're trying to convey you know there's a lot of times in which they're very, very explicit about you know the themes that they're wanting to tell the, the stories and the counter stories um to those that they're trying to get across and you know for Shreya and I and you know even yourself who didn't know much about you know kind of what was going on in the northeast by drawing on that parallel with Kashmir and um you know with a lot of us being familiar about um, what's going there, drawing that parallel to the Northeast, you know, really allows the audience to kind of take away, you know, essentially the overall message in a very digestible way. So I thought I came across very well, um, but they did a very good job about it. Sometimes they were uh, maybe a little too explicit and could have let just like the script um, and the cinematography and everything, you know, maybe speak for itself a little bit more. Um, I think that would be my only critique is like, uh, you know, the movie itself could speak for itself. I think there were times where they were very, very, very direct um, in terms of like, 
the the monologues uh, that Joshua would have, et cetera, or the conversation. So, uh, but nonetheless, well said. I think it came and, across. And then another thing well. that I wanted to point out before we wrap up is that nowhere in the movie do they do they become judgmental towards the rebels at any point in time or brand them or judge them as anti-nationals or terrorists or any of those. Never do they don't they don't even they don't cross the line at all. They don't brand them. They don't. They don't. They're not judgmental. They are very humane in their treatment towards their cause. So at no point in time are they are, are the rebels being shown as international. They just have a cause. Of course, and I think the only issue that I might have had, which again very small, is even though you can understand a lot of motivations from the characters in each side I think the situational descriptors were a little lacking so for example you will always understand the motivations of each side or each character that like why are they doing what they're doing what is their overall purpose in the movie but you won't always understand the exact moment of what is happening on camera like sometimes someone will go to see someone's shooting will just come out of nowhere and it's up to you to put the pieces together based on the people you see they won't say like oh, we're in this situation, the rebels are coming after us and these men are coming after us and now we have to run. Like You won't ever, ever understand who is the good guy and who is the bad guy, just like M had mentioned. You never really know because nobody's really branded. You understand everybody's motivation. So she's right, they don't put labels on who is good and who is bad and who to root for in any given situation. So based on what you know about the characters and their individual motivations, once they're all put together in the scenario, it's up to you to decide like what you think is right and what you think is wrong. So I think like if, if you are following very closely, you will most likely be able to make that judgment on your own. If not, I like, you might find it a little difficult to follow along with the movie and what's happening at least pre-interval. So that is something to watch out for, but. I would love to see what happens if we watch this a second time around too. I feel like this is definitely a movie where you watch it a second, third, fourth time around each, each iteration of you watching it, you come away with something more. Um, have not watched it a second time, but I'm sure um, if, after having done so, a lot of the things in the beginning that made sense later on in the film will make sense right from the get-go. And you can probably extract away a, uh, even better appreciation or just, you know, taking home the theme uh, from this movie. Pretty pretty sure. And, you know, the movie is streaming, it's playing in theaters right now, will be streaming on Netflix very soon. So yes, you might have the opportunity of watching it over and over again once it arrives on netflix but yes the movie does raise very important questions about national identity and if everyone has the right to the same identity and if not why why do people of the same country not have the right to the same national identity my name is falu and you're listening to basis.live and if you want to hear my grammy winning album a colorful world it's available on all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple, all of them. So thank you for this opportunity and for more information and my concerts, please visit palumusic.com. Actually just got done reviewing the entire movie of Anake, which we rated pretty highly. So if you missed that, don't forget to visit Daisies.live to read the full review. But we are going to go ahead and switch gears and talk about Tulsidas Jr. So for anybody who hasn't watched Tulsidas, Tulsidas follows the story of Rajiv Kapoor, who is a legendary snooker player at the Calcutta Sports Club. But he's also 
addicted to alcohol, which, you know, his opponents kind of constantly use against him. And he has this arch rival, Jimmy Tandon, who's actually played by uh, Dilip Tahil. And he uses that information to weaken Tulsidas's focus every time in the snooker championship finals to, you know, win against him. Like you have the edge, you go ahead and take it. So Tulsidas's younger son, Junior, who's played by Midi, sees this happen and cannot do anything, but he eventually wants to stop that defeat from happening. So he decides, I'm going to learn how to play this game myself. And he's a 13-year-old who literally does not know how to play the game. So he seeks the help of his bully older brother, Goti, whose main motivation is money. And he chooses to learn learn that the hard way by learning it from the pros at a local uh at a local Y at the other end of town. So they're not really like polished people who are playing, but he meets the ex-national champion, Mohammed Salam there. And after he constantly begs him and please, Salam takes Midi under his wings and he trains him. So father and son eventually become so good that they're pitched against each other for the semifinals of the snooker tournament. And the father, you know, to save his son's sake, deliberately loses the game for his son to have a chance. And Tendon, despite playing psychological warfare with Junior, is unable to penetrate the game ethic that Salam has taught the kid. So he finally steps up to his father's arch rival and makes it so that at least like the family name takes the game at the end of the day. So, Michael, what did you think of it? Yeah, you know, for as great as this movie was, for as great um, as the actors' performances were, I did not see a whole lot of this in terms of, like, its publicity. I think this movie, um, in my opinion, is slightly underrated in terms of, you know, how it's being publicized um, and how people are reacting to it as well. You know, there are great uh, performances on all ends from Junior to his father, um, even to the legendary player who takes him under his wing. And we get to see a lot of emotions through this as well, just as uh, the tournament starts ramping up as the father and the son are being penned against each other as well. Um, and, you know, with this being a young kid, you know, instilling great ethics for, you know, how to play whenever you're comparing, you know, kind of what's going on with his father and some of the other players in the game, um, you know, really kind of holds true. I think it's a good kind of, you know, warm feeling you get at the end of this movie, uh, knowing that there is some, um, you know, positivity in all of this and that um, this young kid is taking on uh, some great ethics. So that's my take on this. Um, M, what, what are you taking at home with? We might be ready for a um, song. I loved it. I absolutely loved this movie. Not only because it was so beautifully woven. It was, you know, there wasn't even a second of the movie that you wanted to just stop. And you just want to keep watching it because it, it was a really beautifully written story. It was really put together. But did you know the director of the story, Mridul, is actually Midi. So this is his personal story of his own father. Wow. And and it is so so Midi is actually Mridul himself, Mridul the director and the writer. I see, I see. And and the actors are absolutely brilliant. I don't think anybody could have done to see that better than Rajiv Kapoor, who, by the way, died at age fifty-eight. Just you know, I think right after he shot the movie or between the movie off a heart attack so um this movie was his swan song and he died of a cardiac arrest just around the shoot of the movie but varun buddha the, the little kid was just amazing i mean i could not believe that the little kid um it, it was debuting with this movie it was his first time from the camera i just could not believe it because he was flawless flawless 
and so was um, um, so was his the guy who played plays Goaty, his elder brother, his, the bully brother. Who I mean, and the relationship between the two was fire. It was like you see the two of them together in screen. You know, it's gonna be fun because the older brother bullies him. You know, asks him to do things that he wants him to do, but at the same time loves him. Uh, goes with him to that to the Y in, in the old part of the town and, and make sure he's protected, but at the same time also uses him to make sure that he has money. So he takes him, okay, you know what? Uh, a father might be losing money and we'll, uh, we might get poor, so let's make money. You know, all these, these are, these are five games that have money. Snooker doesn't have money at all, so let's go play cricket. So he takes him to a cricketing club and they're like, he's not tall enough. Then he takes him somewhere else. <laughs> they're like, oh, he takes him for polo. He's like, you know, he'll be a great jockey. He's he's short. He's light. He does. We don't even feed him. Let's, you know, he tries to sell his brother wherever he can. Those scenes were so nicely written. He tries his best to make money off his brother, but eventually his brother does go and and the scenes between. Varun Budadev, uh, the kid, and Sanjay Dutt, who plays Muhammad Salman, the um, the uh, the veteran snooker player, um, are are just phenomenal. How, as as Muhammad Salman teaches him how to play, so so there's a scene in which uh, he asks the kid asks Muhammad Salman, "Why do you keep sleeping? You play for an hour, and then you go and just sleep on the bench. You put a, a handkerchief over your eyes, and you go to sleep." And then he explains to the kid, he says, because when you come from darkness to light, you focus more. And when you come from light to darkness, you lose your sight. So I, I go and sleep so that I can come back and focus on the balls. So he teaches him little things that go a long way in creating the, the ethic in the guy for the game and the little kid for the game and it's that ethic that stays with the kid when he eventually wins the tournament and he just hands over his uh, his trophy to his father and he runs to his coach across town the poor part of the town to just to just celebrate it with his coach so uh, such a heartwarming story but credit goes to of course the writer director Mridul Tutsidas who wrote a really tight, tight script in brilliant direction as well. He directed it as well. But it was produced by Ashutosh Govarakar, you know, the guy who bought movies like um, Lagan to us. And it Kudos to Ashutosh Govarakar for bringing this extremely heartwarming story to Celluloid. Hi, I'm Sonali Bendri and you're watching me on Desis.live. I'm talking about my show, The Broken News, which comes out on 10th of June on Z5 Global. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. So this week, we brought you Top Gun Maverick. We brought you Anik. And we also brought you Tulsidas Jr. So don't forget to tune back in next week where we bring you more Bollywood movies, media, and shows. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.